As I said before, this is not for babies. This is not for people who are still on milk. This is for people who want to go further and advance in their faith, learn to walk in the spirit, master the flesh, subdue it, and walk in the spirit, bringing forth fruit. Amen? God has an order in the church. He is a God of order, the Bible says. You do agree with me on that. Whatever he does, he does it in order. He's not the author of confusion. He's a God of order. And when he, as we've looked in the past Thursdays, when the children of Israel applied the blood, they came out of Egypt. That is the type of the new birth. When we placed faith in the blood of Jesus, we were born again. We were delivered from one kingdom, that is the kingdom of darkness. We came out and we have been brought into the kingdom of God, born again. And then what happened? The children of Israel went through the Red Sea and they were baptized into Moses, 1 Corinthians 10. We've read that in the sea and in the cloud, baptism in water, baptism in the spirit. Amen? That's the divine order. You get born again, you don't delay your baptism in water. I don't care what excuses you use. Once you've repented, you believed in Jesus Christ, then the next step is to be baptized in water and the next step is to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Actually, it is one baptism, one from beneath, the other from above. Receive the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, as it is written in the book of Acts, they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy, the Bible says. Amen? So, we see that in the, in the children of Israel, which is a type or a shadow of things to come, as I shared with you in the past, that the Old Testament was a shadow. The New Testament is the reality, the substance. And then they came into the desert. So we come into a new experience, into a new life, and the Lord wants us to have and experience victory in our own personal lives before we can be witness and examples and before the anointing of the Holy Spirit can enrich our lives and help us to bring forth fruit. And we talked about last time, last Thursday if you recall, that it is absolutely necessary for those who are Christ's to crucify the flesh. We talked about if you allow the flesh to have his own way, if you allow the old sinful nature to have dominion and to rule over your life, it's going to lead you to spiritual death. Amen? That's what happened to the children of Israel in the desert. They were body ruled. And they fell into idolatry. They fell into sexual immorality. They tempted Christ, as you recall. Amen? They grumbled, they, member, they murmured, and they were slain, and they were severely judged. And we looked at last time, if you remember, in Galatians chapter 5. You can go there with me, please. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through to 26. To the end. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through to 26. 
the war between the flesh and the spirit. So I say, Paul says, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature or the flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. We've talked about what the flesh is, you recall. It is the old unrenewed mind with your natural body, with your physical body and the natural senses and desires. That is the flesh, that is the old sinful nature. So these are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Or the deeds of the body or the deeds or the acts of the flesh are obvious. So if you are led by the flesh, if you let the flesh have his own way, if you still ruled and governed by your old sinful nature, this is the end result. This is what you're going to be led into. Sexual immorality is a deed of the flesh. It's not that people are running around trying to cast out demons out of people, but what they really need to do is crucify the flesh. Because the flesh is the carcass, or the carcass, how you call it, that, that the vultures feed on, or demons inhabit. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft is a deed of the flesh. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who are ruled by the flesh and allow the flesh to have dominion over them and are drawn away and enticed by the evil desires, the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Come on, folks, give me some help here. I sense a dampness in your spirit this evening. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Let's all say it together, please. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And then look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ, I belong to Christ. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their sinful nature with its passions and desires. Who crucified the sinful nature? God? No, they, the Christians, you. The Bible says, present your body to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. They who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, the sinful nature, with its passions and desires. Praise God. 
Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4. This is something we're going to have to do, folks. <laughs> Crucify the flesh. Ouch! No flesh, you can't have your own way with me. You can't have your own way. You can't have what you want or what you desire. Death to the flesh through the power of the cross. And we spoke about the cross last week. You remember? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, the word tells us, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, or in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Hallelujah. We arm ourselves with what attitude? Christ's attitude. Down with the flesh. Down with my own selfish desires. Down with what I want. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in my life, Lord. So, because he who has suffered in his body or in the flesh is done with sin. Remember what we said last time? The blood deals with your sins, forgives you, cleanses you, but the cross deals with your self, deals with the root of all sin, deals with your old carnal nature. And until you and I learn to expose our own carnal nature to the cross, it will not die. The Bible talks about taking up the cross and following Christ. Yes, you come to Christ, you get born again, you receive your forgiveness of sins, there is joy, there is love, you go on with Christ, and down the road, you come face to face with another cross. <laughs> That's the cross you're going to have to take up and die on it. Because if you do not die, you will not live, and Christ will not live in you. Jesus said, except the corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies. Listen to it carefully, folks. Dies. It shall not bear fruit. It shall remain alone. But if it dies, it shall bring forth much fruit. Fruitfulness in the ministry, in the Christian walk, comes after you accept the cross and die to your own self and to your own will. And many Christians are shunning away from the cross. And that is not what Christ wants us to do. We need to embrace the cross and die on it. And then Christ begins to live within us. Praise the Lord. As a result, in verse 2, Peter says, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. He that is dead, Paul says in Romans chapter 6, is dead to sin. That is why he cries out in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, he said, but Christ now lives within me. Hallelujah. It is not I that is alive. I've created so much room in my heart so that Christ can come in and live his life in and through me, intercede, minister, preach, teach, and love as he reaches out through me and touches people. And when you have experienced the cross in your life, when you have experienced the power of the death of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit comes into you. 
And then the anointing of the Spirit is upon you. And wherever you go, you leave your mark. You reach out and touch people and they are healed. You reach out and touch hearts and lives and they are changed and they are transformed. Not because of you, but because of the one you are carrying within you. Hallelujah. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, he says, I live yet not I, but Christ now lives in me. And the life that I now live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a wonderful life. This is the resurrection life. This is the anointed life. And let me tell you something, my brother, my sister. God anoints dead men. Hear it again. You want the anointing of the Holy Spirit? God anoints dead people. He doesn't trust live ones. God only trusts dead people, dead in Christ. Hallelujah. You want the double portion of his anointing? Hmm? Are you willing to pay the price? That's why many of the disciples of Jesus stopped following him when he began to say, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Except you identify with me, he says, except you take up the cross and you follow me and you die to your own desires, you die to your own self and begin to live for God, you have no part. And they were offended. They stopped following him because they were offended at his words. What a heart say. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Oh, but this is the higher life. This is the resurrection life. This is the life of the Spirit that Paul is talking about. He says, if I walk and live in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. This is not the desert. This is the promised land. Hallelujah. You are no longer down there struggling with temptation and sin. And you, oh, and you, day in and day out, there is a struggle within you. There is a fight within you. You want to do that which is good, but you lack the power to do that which is good. And you do that which you hate and you fall. And there's condemnation and there's guilt. But there's another life. Surrender the flesh to the cross and die to your own self. And then Christ will come and elevate you and you will live on another level in the spirit. Oh, there's no struggle up there. There is rest. He that believes has entered into the rest of God. I am no longer striving and fighting and working. No, Christ is at work within me. And I run and I'm not weary and I walk and I do not faint because I'm empowered by the anointing and the spirit of the risen Christ. But that you can only experience as you go through the pains of death, my brother, my sister. There is no crown without the cross. And I tell you something, flesh doesn't die easy. You don't die with a smile on your face. Jesus said, now is my soul troubled just a few hours before he faced the cross. Now is my soul troubled. He said, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, Father, glorify your name in my life, he said. And when you are exposed to the cross and when you face the cross, there is sorrow in your soul because you're going through the pains of death. What shall you say? Father, save me from this trial. Save me from this from this death, no, glorify your name, Lord, because that is why I am here, 
to live for you and to glorify your name on the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, what a life. And you say, that's what we talked about last time. Die, crucify the flesh. And you say, Andrea, well, how am I going to do that? How can I kill myself? How can I kill my own will? Well, that's the work of the Spirit. And I'm going to share briefly with you how to crucify your flesh. You need to expose your old sinful carnal nature to the ordinances that are stronger than your flesh. Unless you take your flesh and expose it to the spiritual ordinances of the spirit, you will not be crucified. You will not die to self. This is something you're going to have to do. God is not going to do it for you. You're going to have to do this. And the first thing you need to expose your flesh to is what? The written word of God. Ooh, this is a sharp sword. This is a very sharp knife by the Spirit of... It cuts, man. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. You'll see what I mean. You need to take your flesh. That is why... We talk about Bible reading and we talk about meditating in the Word and we talk about going to the Word and allowing the Word to come in you and you getting into the Word and the Word getting into you and renewing your mind with the Word. Why? Because the Word, the Bible says, is so powerful. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, please. Do you want to crucify the flesh? This is the way you do it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two, any double-edged sword. Hallelujah. Did you, did you hear that? I want that to sink into your, into your heart, into your mind. For the word of God is living. King James says quick and powerful and active. And the word is sharper than double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joins and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account expose your flesh expose yourself to the word of God and the word of God will do his work because the word is the knife is the sword amen and the more you expose yourself you're gonna have to drag your flesh into the word of God if you want to die to your own self you can't do it through your own natural strength the flesh cannot kill the flesh but through the power of the word of God, you can subdue the flesh. Because what did Jesus use in the desert? When the enemy came to him and said, well, if you're the son of God, why don't you command these stones to become bread? <coughs> what did Jesus use? The word of God rose up within him. It wasn't just in his head, it was in his heart. And I told you before, ever since Jesus was a, a little boy in the temple, in the synagogue, what was he doing? He was studying, he was meditating, he was preparing himself. He was filled with the word of God. 
And we talked about it last time, that we need to meditate in the Word day and night, and we need to expose ourselves to the Word of God day and night, and meditate and renew our minds, and let our flesh come in contact with the supernatural power of the Word of God. That is number one way that you are equipped and empowered to subdue and crucify the old sinful nature. Amen? Amen. Expose it to the Word of God. Number two. These are all the things that the flesh hates. <laughs> Doesn't like to do. Prayer. Uh-oh, this is, this is a flesh killer. You know, I cannot tell you how many times I've experienced death in the prayer closet. Death to my own dream, death to my own desire. You know, you have some desires that you think they are of the spirit. You are so convinced that they are not soulish, they are spirit. They are direct from God. But as you open your heart, <laughs> as you open... <laughs> And you so convinced nobody can tell you anything else. This is of God. I know it because I have this desire. Well, the moment you open your heart and you begin to fellowship with the Father. Because prayer is not just asking. Prayer is fellowship with God the Father. Prayer is praise. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is the bridge through which you are receiving and you're giving to God. Prayer is the life source of the Christian. That is why if you are not a man or a woman of prayer, you will not live the anointed and the resurrected life. You cannot, the flesh will overpower you. Use the ordinance of prayer because that's what God has given you. Pray in the spirit. Pray with your natural mind. Pour out your heart to God. And as you do, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you and speaks death to your own selfish ambitions, to your own dreams. In fact, I have here with me a study on prayer. I want to show it to you because I want... I have done a detailed study on the Lord's Prayer some time ago and I had my wife retype it and put it into this little booklet. I have the tapes on it, two tapes, on the study of the subject of prayer, analyzing the Lord's Prayer, teaching you how to pray step by step. It's on tape and it's in the book. I don't want to push it on you, you're going to have to ask for it. And then I'll give it to you. I don't like pushing things on you. You want to study prayer and you want to learn how to pray, you're going to get into the Word, you're going to get into the study and do a study for yourself and get into your prayer closet and learn how to pray if you want to advance and grow spiritually. Amen? But I am teaching here in detail the Lord's Prayer. And this little booklet will help you and will teach you how to pray. It is there that I've experienced many a time as I share with you the death of the Lord Jesus. Some of the things that I thought they were of the Spirit as I began to pray, they began to fall away. Some people say, well, you know, I don't know. Is this from the Lord or is this from me? 
Is this from the Lord or is this from the enemy? Well, go to the Word of God, go to your prayer closet, and as you pray, what's of the Lord will remain in you. What's of the Lord will grow stronger in you. What is of the flesh will die. And the more you enter the prayer closet, and the more you get into the Word, all that is of the flesh, all that is of the sinful nature, all of those habits, all of those thoughts, all of those attitudes that you brought from the world, they will die, they will leave you, and you will just go on free in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, warring in the Spirit, bringing forth results in the Kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But you need to put to work the discipline. You need to put to work the ordinance that God has given you. The Word of God and the prayer. You need to learn how to pray, my brother, my sister. And you need to spend time with God. You need to learn how to do that. And you know, we give priority to other things in our lives so often. Yes, I have this to do. Yes, I know we all have things to do, my brother, my sister. Listen to me. What is more important to you? Your spiritual welfare or your financial status? That will come. The blessings will come. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you. They will not be taken away from you. And so often we get offended at God sometimes why we are not, blessings are not being added to us. Well, it is because we're putting other things first. We rush from the house. We hardly have time to eat. And we get into the car and we drive. And we use the excuse and say, Andrea, well, I can pray while I drive. I can pray while I do this. Yes, you can do that, but not after you have shut yourself in with the Father. Even if you have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning to spend time with God, don't go to work without spending time with God. I cannot function without spending time time with the Lord. Not just 15 minutes, I just, I'm not myself, I cannot function, I cannot meet the demands that the ministry is placing upon me. I cannot counsel people, I cannot effectively minister to them unless I first go to the Father and receive from Him. Prayer closet is our refueling place, folks. And if you don't want to run in the flesh, and if you don't want to do things in the flesh, and if you don't want the flesh to have dominion over you, you're going to have to learn to spend time with God in prayer. Those that wait upon the Lord shall do what? We know it, but do we really know it? Do we really know it in our hearts? Do we really practice it? You say, Andrea, but you preached on this subject before and I've heard you so many times and you're going to hear me again and again and again until the Spirit of God releases me to teach you on something else. Until you learn to pray, until you learn to discipline yourself to go to your prayer closet and begin to cultivate and establish your own prayer life. Because when the going gets tough, you need to stand and your pastor won't be around, your brother won't be around. The devil will make sure that he will attack you when you're alone. And if you don't know how to combat him, then you are not going to grow. You are not going to bring forth fruit. Amen? You need the strength. You need the spiritual anointing and the power from the presence of the Lord. And how do you get that? I see and I hear men of God that are greatly used of God, anointed of God. Tremendous signs and miracles are following them wherever they go. Ask them about the prayer life. They will tell you. They have a story or two to tell you. 
They will tell you that they spent all day in prayer, all night in prayer. Jesus spent all night in prayer. And if he needed to do that, how much more do you and I need to do that? And do you think by spending two minutes, oh, I, we, pray, we said grace this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless my day. Bye. No, no. You think you're going to crucify the flesh? By doing that, forget it. You will always be a baby Christian. You will always be body ruled. The flesh will always have dominion over you. You want to know where you're going, where you're coming. You want to have a purpose in life. You want to know what God has destined you for. You will never be able to fulfill your destiny in Christ until you press into your prayer closet, until you touch the heart of God, until you touch his heart and you begin to heal his spirit, minister to you and talk to you and bless you and strengthen you and the word becomes life and light to you. Amen? Because prayer will sensitize your spirit. Prayer will feed your spirit man. Will charge him with supernatural power. So when the flesh rises up, you... <coughs> shut up, flesh. You're not going to have your way. How many times, you know, the pressures of the ministry just come one after the other. Now this one, now that one, now this one, now that one. What would I do without my prayer closet? I don't know. I would have gone to the mental home by now. But when I go and I pour my heart to the Father, He begins to minister to me just like He wants to minister to you at your own level, wherever you are. But you've got to give Him the time. You've got to expose your flesh to your prayer closet and allow the Spirit of Christ to touch your heart. Allow him to speak to you through the word. How many times this book has become so alive to me and has ministered to me comfort and direction. Your word, O oh Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is the word of God that strengthens us. It is prayer that empowers us. I cannot say this enough and I cannot go over it, over it enough times. I want, to, I want you to understand that if you want to grow, this is the price you and I have to pay, each and every one of you. And you're not going to learn to pray overnight. You're going to experience some disappointments in the prayer closet. You're going to go there many times and you say, what am I doing here? I don't even know what I need. I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what to pray for. But as you sit there and you silently wait upon the Lord and you begin to talk to the Spirit of God within you and say, Holy Spirit, you are here in me and with me. God is not blind. He sees that you're there. He sees you've come to talk to him. And all you have to do is say, Father, Spirit of the living God, just rise up within me and give direction to my spirit. Bring to my remembrance the things, the people that I need to pray for. And very often what I do, I begin to pray in tongues. Lord, I don't know what I need to pray, but I am giving my spirit over to your spirit, and I am praying in other tongues knowing that I am speaking directly to you. And I press in in the spirit, and I press in in the spirit. 15 minutes, 20 minutes sometimes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and all of a sudden I hit a gusher. Oh, ha! 
And then I know my mind is enlightened and I see and I hear. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, I see it now. And I'm praying and I'm loosing there and I'm binding there and I'm touching there and I'm writing a letter to this one and I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling this one because I've hit and I've drawn close into the presence of God and I begin to hear and know what the Spirit of God wants me to do that day. But it doesn't come just like that. You get up in the morning sometimes and I say to my wife, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that last night, you know. I just, I, the furthest thing from my mind is prayer. I don't want to go in there, but I know if I don't get in there and, and leave it for one day, for two days, for three days, I'm going to come here and you are going to stare at me and expect from me and I'll have nothing to say to you. I'll have nothing to feed your spirit fresh from the presence of the Lord. Nothing fresh to give you. My, my, my preaching would be so dull. There would be no life, no anointing, no power because I have not connected with the power of God. And imagine if every one of you is charged up as we come together, what's going to happen? Say, Andrea, shut up, I want to preach tonight. <laughs> oh, what a night that would be. <laughs> shut up, Andrea, I have two testimonies to tell. Hallelujah. You keep quiet now, you preached enough, now I want to preach. And you stand up there and you share from the word of God and you say, I was in prayer, folks, the other night and the other day and the Lord touched my heart and I want to share this with you. And you would be sharing, you would be ministering. Why? Because you've been in touch with the Spirit of Christ. Now you all come. <laughs> Am I right? Yes, Andrea, but you know what we had to do at work today. We had so much to do. You, know, you don't know Christmas is coming up. You don't know how busy we get. Does God have favorites? Have you ever stopped to wonder? You know, I, I thought, and some people still think that God has favorites. But he doesn't. Those that hunger shall be filled. Don't give me the excuse you don't have time. You cannot afford not to have time to pray. I don't care what you are involved with. At one time I was called into the army in Zimbabwe and I had to leave the house at six o'clock to go in the bush. And I used to get up at half past four in the morning, there's my wife as a witness, in the cold, on the cold floor and wrap a blanket around me. And I was there to talk to my heavenly father before I get out of my house. You know, prayerlessness is a sin, child of God. Did you know that? Sometimes we do not consider that prayerlessness is a sin. We allow days to go by and we don't really spend time with the Father to intercede, to pray for people, to, for ourselves, for our families. Who's going to pray for our children? Who's going to pray for our families? Who's going to pray for our loved ones? You and I. I pray that God will pour upon this body a spirit of prayer and a spirit of intercession that we would be men and women of prayer. And unless you and I become that, 
we will not go any further, we will not advance, we will play church and we'll go run around religion. Just like the children of Israel for 40 years, they went around the desert, they experienced the same thing, they saw the same mountains, they ate the same food for 40 years. And some of us are keep looking at the same things, singing the same songs, hearing the same things over and over again. Why? Because we have not tapped into the power of God through prayer to advance further, to be charged and to move in the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I can only take you as far as you are willing to be taken. And I can only give you as much as you are able to receive, my brother, my sister. I can't give you any more. I have much to give, the Lord says. But it depends on how much room you have in your heart to receive from me. Prayer creates room in our hearts for God. Prayer is flesh knocking. Learn how to develop your own personal prayer. Amen? And number three, and I'm going to be closing with this. We're talking about, actually not number three, fasting. Fasting is number three, yes. I have a very powerful teaching on the spiritual principle of fasting. Some of you have heard it, spiritual journey fasting. How many of you have listened to that tape? You listen to the tape long enough, you will want to fast, you will obtain anointing to fast. Get the teaching, please. I said it last time. I long for you to come say, Andrea, what can I learn? Please, have you got any teaching on this subject? Where can I get some teaching on this subject? Hunger for the Word of God, my brother, my sister. Now, what does fasting do? Fasting will help you get there hundred times quicker. Fasting will help you break into the presence of God hundred times quicker. That's what fasting does. It speeds up the process of crucifying the flesh because fasting knocks right at the heart of the old sinful nature and weakens the flesh and brings your spirit into a place of readiness to receive from God, to be sensitized and to be open to God's ministry by the word and by the spirit or direct or indirect from the body. That's what fasting does. I've received most of my revelations and direction and messages that I preach to you as I pray in tongues and as I fast. Oh, it is a, it is a wonderful experience once you learn to walk into that, into that habit of fasting. Make it a habit. The body is like a slave. The body is like whatever you teach your body to do, it will do it if you discipline your body. It's like your dog. You, you speak to it, you speak to it, you train it, it will, it will listen to you, it will obey you. So train your body to fast regularly. At least once a week, start with skipping breakfast, then move on to skip lunch. And when you are mastered there, then you are, you are well off on your way, go right through the evening. And use the time to pray. Amen? It will help you, it will cause you to grow far more quicker. It will help you to put the flesh under and crucify it. That's what fasting will do for you. So get the tape, go to the scriptures, go to the word, learn what the word says about fasting and begin to apply it in your life. You will be spiritually enriched. 
Amen? And number four, final, stay in the fellowship. Oh, this is a crucifying place for the flesh. I want to explain to you. Stay in church. Don't isolate yourself and withdraw. Because this is where the flesh <laughs> is being knocked. Ouch! Ah, you stepped on my toe. Ouch! You shouldn't have said that. It's flesh knocking. <laughs> when you are alone, you have nobody around you. You have your own self, your own opinions. But in the body, in the fellowship, your opinions are being opposed. Your own will is being opposed at times. Voila. And in the fellowship, you have lots of opportunities to be crucified. And what most of us do when we've been stepped upon, we withdraw. I don't want to go to that church anymore. They're not enough. They're not kind enough. Why? Pastor smiled at that one. And he spent so much time with that one. And look how he's ministering to that one. And we've been here longer than anybody else. He never smiled at us. He doesn't spend time with us. Flesh knocking. Ooh. There, in the fellowship, people tread upon you. They step on you. You step on them. It's all right. As iron sharpens iron, so does a friend his friend. Oh, you're going to be squashed here. You're going to be knocked around. And you're not going to be always appreciated in this body. I'm going to tell you right now, there are people that will oppose you. They won't love you all the time. That's wonderful opportunities for the flesh. To be say, flesh, you've been called by the Lord here and you're going to stay here. Whether they pay attention to you or whether they don't, I know that God called me here. And flesh, shut up. No matter what you do to me, folks, there's no way I'm going to pack up and go. I'm telling you right now. Because you didn't call me here, God called me here. Have you studied the scriptures there with Elijah and Elisha? Every time. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, man. He said, not on your life. You will have plenty of opportunities. Get out of here, man. They don't appreciate you. They don't love you. No. Elisha said, no, as, as the Lord God lives, as your soul lives, I'm right behind you. I'm right behind you. I'm going on with Christ. And I've seen people leave this body. Why? Because their opinions were not welcomed and their opinions, I did not bow down to their opinions. And I've been labeled as a dictator and as a hard man. It's all right, bye-bye. You want to go by? Let's see where you're going to find another church. And let's see how long you're going to stay there with that attitude that you've got. Yes, your flesh will be exposed to the knife. Your old sinful nature will be trembled upon. You will be ridiculed. And you will be spitted upon at times. But if you know that God has called you here, said, flesh, you die. I want to serve God no matter what. Don't discourage me. I'm staying. I'm going on with Christ. 
Amen. Am I right? No matter what you do to me, Faith, how you respond to me, I'm not going to pack up my bags and go. I'm not coming over to that fellowship because oh, he's such a loud mouth. We get so concerned about everybody else's sins. And we're looking for a perfect place to worship God and a perfect church and a perfect pastor. But you know, you're not going to find it. And you're not going to find a perfect church. I'm telling you right now. Amen? Don't you see Jesus walking in front, Peter behind? Peter and Jesus had such a wonderful communion and conversation. And Jesus restored Peter, forgiven him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Three times. There was a beautiful restoration there. Peter was restored to the ministry, to the apostleship. And then he walks along with Jesus and then says, Peter, what has it got to do with you if I will that he stay alive until he come back? You follow me. You keep your eyes on me, Peter, not on John. You keep your eyes on the Lord, Faith, not on the pastor. You keep the eye, your eyes on the Lord, Georgia, not on the pastor, not on your brother, not on your sister. Because you're going to find many faults and you're going to find hypocrites in the church. And your flesh will have plenty of opportunities to love and to forgive and to embrace and to be tolerant and to be long-suffering. Amen? That's why God put the mechanism of forgiveness and tolerance and understanding in the body so that we can be kept together despite of all of our failures and of all of our imperfectness. Because perfect love covers doesn't see the faults but we get so taken up with somebody else's fault in the church and it's because it's troubling our flesh we get up and go or we do certain things so what must we do Jesus said Peter keep your eyes on me you follow me don't be bothered about John and you don't be bothered about somebody else's faults or sins in the church you keep your eyes on Jesus and you take a look at yourself. <coughs> Let's stop looking at one another's fault. You look at your heart and examine your heart and strive to follow the Lord to the best of your ability. Die to your own self and follow Jesus. So what am I saying? Remember, expose your flesh to the word of God. Establish a prayer life. Learn to fast, stay in the fellowship, whatever the cost. That's why some people get up and leave the church, because the flesh has had the opportunity to, to be disciplined. They don't want to be disciplined. No, you, Mr. Perfect. You walk up to them and you say, well, this is, no, not me, Pastor. We don't want people to come and tell us, look, you've got to sort this thing out, you know. That's disciplining, that's dying to self and accepting the word of God, right? Praise the Lord. Father, we just want to say thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the ordinance that you've blessed us and you've given us. 
to keep the flesh under. Father God, search our hearts tonight. See, O oh Lord, if there be any wicked way in us that wants to run away from the cross, that does not want to pay the price and deal with us in your mercy and in your loving kindness. We pray and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Thank you.